So we're doing something a little bit out of our normal rhythm this morning. Um, if you've been with us for a while, you know we've been in a significant study of the book of Genesis. Uh, I looked it up. We started in May of 2021. Uh, so it's been like 30 years that we've been in Genesis. And we've taken some breaks, but we just finished it last week. And I asked Sarah to read that passage because it is a window into something that we're honestly a little unfamiliar with. Uh, in the early church, before the, the, maybe the third century or so, Christianity was illegal. And Christians, we've talked about the suffering and the persecution of Christians before, but they, they, they weren't uh, allowed to own church buildings uh, or, or rent meeting spaces. We rent this space, this historic church building. They weren't able to gather in large groups. They met in homes. They met in apartment complexes. They met at night. Uh, under the cover of darkness because what they were doing was considered seditious. They were, giving, they were giving honor and allegiance to a king that was not Caesar. And so when we see the church in the first century in the Bible, we see some things that we don't always have in our normal rhythms. Now, if you're a part of our gospel community, you're going to see a lot more going on that looks like this. Groups of people talking and sharing and words of encouragement and exhortation and even words of prophecy. Uh, but in our large gatherings, we typically don't allow space for a lot of that kind of participation in the liturgy. So while we see this in, in 1 Corinthians, we also see what we do, we see elders called to preach and teach, but this week we're going to kind of lean into this paradigm in 1 Corinthians and offer an opportunity for all of us as members of this body to share what God has been doing over the course of this season in Genesis. Um, I want to share a little bit of recap about the book of Genesis, and then I would like to invite anyone who is willing to share specifically ways that God has formed you or shaped you through this study. And maybe you've been here for the last maybe two or three weeks, and God has spoken to you during one of the Sunday messages, maybe that, that Brian gave last week, or, or when Jake taught, or one of the other ones in the last couple weeks. Maybe you've been here since we started Genesis in 2021. But if there's anything that, that God has taught you things you've learned about how the Bible works, things you've learned about God himself, things you've learned about your own soul, about others, how God's word in Genesis has brought conviction or comfort to your heart, I would love to invite you to share it with the congregation for the mutual edification of everyone who's here. We're not going to use Slido today. Typically, we do a Q&R after the sermon, and, and you can anonymously text questions about the passage up to Slido to, to work through. We're not going to do that, but we will do some questions, and I think it'd be fun if anybody has some to see what we all think the answers might be. So a couple things. It doesn't have to be long. Actually, I'd prefer that it wouldn't be long. If you can put your thoughts together as concisely as possible and then allow us to kind of think about them and chew on them. But it also needs to be spoken into the microphone. And I know some of you are like, I'm out, I'm not doing that. But um, I think 
it could be really valuable to hear what God is doing through us. And I'd like to have that for the podcast this week for those of us that uh, aren't here. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us um, and then share a little bit about my reflections on Genesis. And then uh, we'll open the floor up to anyone who wants to volunteer. Lord God, we believe that you are in our midst, that you are by your powerful Holy Spirit um, working inside all of us. God, we come to this gathering on a Sunday morning and the, the minds and hearts that you have been working in all week to prepare our liturgy are doing a work that is intended to glorify you and to bring um, edification and joy to us. But we also recognize that while as leaders we have a, an idea of who we are being called to be, as individuals you are shaping all of us on your own because you know our hearts more deeply than anyone else, even ourselves. And you know what we need to hear, you know where we need to grow, you know the specific patterns of sin and brokenness that, that ensnare us. You know the ways that we need to identify and exercise our gifts for the benefit of your people. You know all about the relationships that are, that are building us up and that are threatening to tear us down and that we need to navigate by your power. And week by week, as, as we put forth the word of God and, and, and seek to feast on it, as your word says, that it would be honey to our mouths God, we recognize that the outcome of that is going to be different for all of us because you are our personal king and God and savior, and you know who we are and what we need individually. And Lord God, I just, I, I believe that, 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 that those stories are, are beautiful stories and they, they uh, end in, in your praise. And so I would just um, ask that you... Um, work in this space this morning, that if there are words of encouragement, uh, of conviction, of um, uh, just stories of growth in, in the love of Jesus and the understanding of the gospel, that maybe someone in this room uh, is a little fearful to share, God, I pray that you would give courage and boldness. Um, and God, whether this is a five-minute or a 20-minute exercise, God, I just pray that um, your spirit would move and that we would be edified by um, the way that you have worked in this body over this last season. In Jesus' name, amen. So real quick, I want to kind of like lay out four big ideas that we walked through in the book of Genesis. And maybe if you didn't come with plans to speak, this will spark some uh, memories in your heart the first section of this book that we tackled was Genesis 1 through 11, and it really answers the question, what sort of world do we live in? We learned about the goodness of creation. We learned that men and women are made in God's image together, and that we matter intrinsically as human beings. We witnessed the horror of sin and death in the garden, in the flood, in the Tower of Babel, all the ways that the, the powers and principalities have colluded with human wickedness to destroy God's good creation. 
But then we also learn that God promised that someone would come and crush the head of the snake, that there would be a redeemer born, a human being that would make all things right again. Then we, we journeyed into Genesis 12 through 24, and we, we read about this man named Abram, who initially, right after this, this call of, of a redeemer, we think, oh, maybe Abram is the guy. Maybe he is the man who is destined to defeat the snake and bring about restoration in the cosmos. And we see that he is called to live by faith. We talked a lot about faith. We talked about faith being sometimes an ask to walk into the unknown. Hey, Abram, I want you to go to a place and I will tell you when you get there. Sometimes faith means waiting. Abram, you're going to have a child, but it's going to be 25 years from now. Sometimes faith means doing hard things. The real difficult passage where God tells, when Abraham finally has his son, God tells him to sacrifice him, put him to death. And we saw over and over and over again that a life of faith, of trusting in God, is going to be full of both victories and defeats. After Abraham's story wraps up, we get into chapters 30, or 25 through 36, and we meet a new protagonist, Abraham's grandson, Jacob. And we talked a lot about transformation. We talked about how God chooses people to work with despite themselves. We noted over and over and over again how bad Jacob was. He's not a great guy. He doesn't have a, a lot of redeeming qualities. But God chooses him as the one that he is going to bring his promise through. But then we see over and over and over again that Jacob needs to be transformed. And the, the furnace of transformation for Jacob is suffering. That there is trial and hardship. Some of it brought on by his own foolish decisions. Some of it just allowed by God. But slowly over decades, God transforms this man into a patriarch that trusts. And then in our final section of Genesis, which we just wrapped up 37 through 50, we talked a lot about God's sovereignty, that God is in control of the world, that he does what he wants. And we looked at the life of Joseph, Joseph who um, is treated incredibly poorly by his brothers, sold into slavery, um, falsely accused of sexual immorality, imprisoned, forgotten, but then raised up to the highest position in Egypt, not for his own benefit, but so that God's plan to save his family would come to fruition. We saw that God does what he wants, and what he wants is the best for his people, and that he is perfectly content to orchestrate the circumstances of their lives in order to achieve it, even if it isn't what we think it should be on the surface. And we saw at the end of Genesis, Jacob's reminder, Joseph's reminder to his brothers that even the evil that they committed towards him, God can redeem for good ends in the future. So those are the, kind of, the four big themes that I 
see in this book. We, we learn about the world we live in and who we are. We learn about faith. We learn about transformation. And we learn about sovereignty. And I was, um, as I was reflecting on this passage or this, this book and this study, I, I came up with two things that stood out to me, things that I learned a lot about. And the first thing is all the way back to the beginning of our study, uh, when we were in chapters 1 through 11, kind of that prehistory period, there's just a lot of crazy stuff in those chapters. Week after week after week, we were all like, what is this? There's, there's snakes that talk and angels that marry women and they have these like half man, half giant children and the flood and the Tower of Babel. And there's all this kind of stuff that we just, is so foreign to us. But in studying and leading us through that, the thing that was impressed over and over and over again in my heart and mind is that we live in a supernatural world. That there are personal, spiritual intelligences uh, both team good and team evil that are at work in the world. That we as God's people are combatants in a battle, not with our non-Christian neighbors, but with the powers of darkness. And that realization has become incredibly clear to me as we've studied this book, and it has shaped the way I see the world around me in ways that I, I hadn't before. And then the second thing that I would just say personally has, has been helpful for me in this study is, is I was just thinking through all of the different topics that we covered in this book. Just a small listing of the things that we looked at. Gender, marriage, singleness, sexual assault, polyamory, the Trinity, how the Bible was written, anger, lust, racism, fear, shame, temptation, faith, trials, suffering, death, parenting, grace, hope in the future, and ultimately how all of those themes in Genesis point us to Jesus. Um, I'm a fan of, of the guys at the Bible Project, and kind of one of the things that they do whenever they, they come up with a theme that they want to study is, is they find the beginning of that theme in the book of Genesis. And, and I think that's a really valuable lens by which to understand the scriptures. And as we worked through this book, it's just amazing to see how just about everything you've got questions about starts in a passage in Genesis. So those are my two big takeaways. I mean, I'm sure I could go on and on and on, but that's not the point of what we're doing. So I would like, uh, I'd like somebody to start us off. Who wants to share about their experience working through the book of Genesis? I'm, I, I will call on someone if they don't raise their hand. <laughs> I mean, you guys, I'm coming for you. Ah, good job. Do I just stay here? Okay. So I would say my takeaway, at least when you were saying to think about it and share was when Joseph both spoke with the cupbearer and the baker and then also to Pharaoh. 
both times when they brought their dreams to him and they're like, hey, what is this thing? We heard that you can do this. He wasn't like, oh, it's not me that does it. It's not my strength. It's God's strength. And so just to actually think of that, because even in the day-to-day world, as you said, it's, it is spiritual warfare that we're constantly facing, but no one really admits to that anymore. Like, that's not a thing. The world's, we're just humans on a rock in the middle of space. But it is a spiritual battle constantly, and that's just proof of it even more so. So for him to be like, no, this isn't just something that's being pushed on the rug. This is literally God's gift to me in this moment. And so to look at that and respect it for what it is, is what my takeaway was. Thank you. Um, what's been, Joseph, your, um, I know, I don't care. I'm going to ask you a question, though. Um, seeing Joseph, who shares your name, that's kind of fun, um, point his gifts back to God. How does that help you see your own gifts, maybe in a different way? Uh, maybe as respecting that there are gifts, because that was kind of where being raised, it was, that was also kind of a, maybe gifts are, they're in the Bible, they're not really now, you know? And so to kind of be more aware of that and to be like, no, whatever this is that I'm doing, if people say that, oh, and I'm at a place or at a job that I've empowered or uplifted people or made the energy better or whatever, I'll always be like, eh, like that's not me or whatever, you're just saying that. To actually respect it and be like, oh, well, maybe that is, and that is a gift from God to be maybe a light, maybe someone that's a smiling face in a place where normally people don't smile. So. Thank you for sharing. No, you're fine. You need to sit down. <laughs> okay, who else wants to do that? <laughs> Dylan. I was going to raise my hand, but I was like, hey, I'll give someone else a chance to be brave. Um, so this has always been my favorite book, for sure, of the Bible. And I've spent probably more time studying it than any other book of the Bible and teaching it. And I still always find something new to learn. And this time... Uh, this is hard. I'm currently going through the hardest time I've ever gone through in my life. Um, and like, for those of you who know, I used to be a missionary in really scary places, and I would trade that for any of the stress I'm going through right now. Getting shot at, being on one mountain, and ISIS is over there, that's easy. <laughs> but seeing my wife go through the struggles she's going through, and then trying to be a good dad, and trying to figure out how the heck are we going to pay to fix one of our cars, let alone both of them, and pay rent. And I mean, we are, almost got our water shut off, and it's been so hard, and I can't even get a phone call back from McDonald's. <laughs> and yet, going through this, and I've listened to probably the first section before I break three times on Spotify, and then the, the last bit bits at least twice, uh, with the exception of the past few months. And what I get from all of it is that, okay, like this is hard, this is scary, but God's here. 
Like, I'm definitely not Job. I'm going to fail all up and down the street. <laughs> but I'm not going to lose my faith. I mean, I can't. There's no, that's silly. And I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep trying to provide for my family, despite the fact that I feel like I'm not doing any of that. And all of a sudden, like our water bill, I got it in the mail for the next month, and I'm expecting it because we paid off the minimum to get our water turned back on. And I look and it said everything's up to date and paid for. And I was like, okay. Thank you, Lord. I have no idea why. <laughs> um, and it's just been a lot of stuff like that. And, and yet, I guess the one thing I can take away from Genesis is that if I just stop being a piece of garbage, right, and try to be a faithful man as best I can, it takes one bit out of the equation <laughs> of the struggle. <laughs> if I submit and trust that, okay, Lord, like this is hard, and jobs I should easily be able to get, I can't. Like, you're doing something. I'm going to let you do it. You're doing something in my wife. I'm going to let you do it. And I'm just going to be here and constantly trying to pray and hear him and see what he needs me to do, what he wants me to do, because he doesn't need me to do anything. But <laughs> and just going through the entirety of the book of Genesis and just seeing this story play out and, like, I'm in no way in an important seat like any of these men were, right, in our... In our and what is that, adopted family history? <laughs> but I can see my life and realize that, like, okay, like, you got me. I'm not alone. You're not asking me to sacrifice my boy. Thank you. <laughs> like, I can struggle. I can keep trying. I can keep failing and trusting that you're going to make either the success or an abysmal failure that you'll turn to your glory, and that's okay. And um, as hard and impossible that still feels, I just know that it's true, and and yeah, just going through it, that's my big takeaway is like, he's here, even if I feel like he's not. Yeah, thank you for sharing. That's really hard. Um, can, we, can we pray for you guys? Please. Whoever's close, gather around. We'll just, we'll just lay hands on these guys and pray for a little bit. <clears throat> Lord God, I just, I want to just... Praise you for the word that Dylan just gave us. That you are here, that you are faithful, that you're not going to let us go. Um, and I just want to pray for Dylan and Tori and Atticus and Uriah and um, just the season that they're in, the season of unknowns and questions and doubt. Um, and to just to affirm that, that sometimes that's exactly where you want us to be because it brings us back to you. Um, God, even in saying that, that, that's so hard to even deal with. Um, but God, I just pray that, that, like Dylan said, that this season wouldn't be um, without meaning, without purpose, that this would be something that is so powerfully beneficial to their lives as your people, that the things that you're teaching them through these, um, these days would be so transformative, um, that they would recognize um, parts of their hearts that maybe they've been um, neglecting, that these things get to bring out. And God, nobody likes that. I hate that when you do that to me. But I need it. We all need it. God, I'm just so grateful. Um, I'm grateful for their um, just dependence on this community 
that they take um, the life of this body so seriously to be here. It's so easy to be hurting and in pain and just disconnect. Um, and I'm just, I'm grateful for their presence today and every Sunday and in community and uh, text messages and phone calls and all just the ways that I get to connect with them. And I just pray that um, you would show yourself strong in their lives. That you would continue to do things like pay their water bill for some, uh, in some miraculous way and bigger things and greater things and that they would look back and go like, this is how God fought this battle for us. And God, I pray that this body would continue to be um, a people that, that holds them up and, and, and builds them up and cares for them as, as we can. Um, and God, for all of us, maybe you know, somebody else here is, is, is resonating with, with this, is feeling like, man, this season has been really hard. And God, I just pray that that word would hit uh, them as well. That, that you are not going to leave us. You are not going to forsake us. And that the, the hard things are not um, a distraction from the plan, a detour from the plan, a, 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 a judgment. They are, they're part of the plan. That we are being conformed into the image of Christ. God, help us to be men and women that desire that and all that comes with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for sharing. Love you. Does anybody else want to share? How has Genesis been impactful? Jake. Another namesake patriarch. You can call me Israel from now on. Um, I think for me, one of the themes that really hit home was uh, sovereignty and that's something, the sovereignty of God, that's something I've always um, sort of bristled at. And as we were kind of working through Joseph's story, um, I just realized, I, I was trying to ask myself, why, why does that idea, that concept always kind of set me on edge? And I think it's because I have real control issues. <laughs> you know, I, I just kind of, I like to know that things are like buttoned up and there's a plan and a strategy and like I want to know why things are happening so that we can plan for the future. And, um, you know, Joseph just over and over again was just sort of like, well, here it is. And you just have to trust that like there's something's going to happen. And we have the benefit of knowing the end of that story, right? And so we can look at it and be like, yeah, Joseph, just hang on, you know, like it's going to be, there's a reason for this. But Imagining myself in that, in that position was, just made me really, really uncomfortable. Um, and like one Sunday afternoon, Zach, you and I were, were talking and you said, yeah, like maybe another theme of this part of the story could be how to suffer well. And that just kind of really stuck with me that like there are times when um, we just don't know what's going on and like we just have to be okay with that and that that really is you know trusting in the sovereignty of God like that's what it requires that sometimes we suffer well and sometimes we thrive well um, and there's going to be hopefully seasons of both for us but um, regardless of what of what you're going through um, God is in control and we don't get a say in that and um, yeah so that's kind of yeah, what I've been working through.
and we don't get a say in that. <laughs> so you make a bumper sticker. <laughs> We'd sell a lot of those. <laughs> That's good. Thank you, Jake. I, I appreciate your sharing. Who's next? Um, do I have stand up? Okay. Um, I, I guess this maybe even plays kind of into what Jake was just saying, but um, just, it just seems like the reoccurring theme in Genesis is just seasons of suffering, seasons of waiting, seasons of hardship. And I know we're all not going to be spared from going through those seasons. Um, and it almost kind of feels a little bit like a slap in the face when you see, like, wait, God, how long did you make them wait for? Like, how long did you make them suffer for? Because when you're in those seasons, you're like, it's just a season. It's just a season. It's going to be gone and over with soon. But um, I mean, we have the blessing of being able to look at these stories from beginning to end. And like Jake said, seeing, like, hold in there. You're going to get there. But when you're in it and you don't know when that end is going to come to your hardship or to your suffering or your waiting, um, it can be extremely discouraging. But, um, but it's encouraging to see um, that there is transformation. Um, I just, what pops into my brain specifically is Joseph's brothers. And they look like different people when they come to Joseph in Egypt. And, and Joseph tells them, you didn't bring me here, God brought me here. And just the heart, the difference between Joseph's heart and his brother's hearts is so encouraging to see that there is transformation in that season and there is work that God is doing, even though it might be very painfully slow. Um, and uh, the beauty of that is that, you know, we have a God who is intentional with that time, even though it feels very painful. Um, and that God's plan is going to be executed through your suffering. Um, it's just been something I've been really encouraged by in Genesis. Thank you, Mallory. There's something about that particular part of the story where Joseph, Joseph doesn't really change all that much through his suffering, but his brothers do. And just the question of, are you willing to suffer for the sake of other people's growth is really, really hard to answer. And I think like that's such a, it's such a beautiful way of being asked to walk the way of Jesus though, right? And yeah, it's hard. Thank you. Anybody else? Coming for you, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, okay. Um, one of the themes for the last two years, right? Two years. Um, the idea of legacy. And we live in a world where. Uh, I feel like social media just, maybe it's my algorithm, but just bombards me with the idea of what kind of life are you leaving for your kids and your grandkids? You know, is it generational wealth? Is it 
whatever um, is being sold that day. But you look at Genesis and the legacy that God wanted us to see his people leave. And you look at Abraham, who's a lousy husband and uh, not that great of a dad. Isaac, not that great of a dad. Jacob, not that great of a dad. Not that great of a husband. Uh, sleazy businessman. And it gives me comfort. <laughs> but the theme throughout all of that is God's faithfulness. And so for me, what I want to communicate to my kids and my family isn't my victories and being honest with my failures, but throughout all of that, God is faithful. So that, that's what our legacy should be. is isn't about you know, necessarily highlighting the things that we did well, but that God has been there through it all. So I don't need to save anything for my kids in the will. Is that no? Sweet. <laughs> no, thank you, Spencer. I appreciate that. Anyone else? Greg, in the back. Yeah. So I I would agree with pretty much everything that's been said, um, but kind of taking a different take on this from a high level, just the foundation that Genesis provide for me as far as just the perfection and the power of God's word as a whole. And you kind of mentioned it with the guys of the Bible Project to where everything kind of goes back somewhere to one of these stories from all the way to, you know, the type of Christ through Abraham and Isaac and then the man Jacob and then the nation or the, the man Jacob, the man Israel, and then the nation Israel. And everything is launched from Genesis, and then you see it come to fruition over the thousands of years after that, and it just reminds me, his word is perfect. And then you see, I kind of look at Genesis as the, you know, the bookend at the beginning, and then ultimately Revelation at the end, and it just reminds me, it's like how, how solid and how perfect his word is, just because you can see what was foretold in Genesis just come to be, and, and through many writers and thousands of years, and, and I just, that just impressed on me that we can rest on his word because it's so solid. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. Laura. You have to use the microphone. Okay, that's part of it, using the microphone. I know I was very stubborn that one day, and I'm sorry. Um, I want to add to Mallory and her seasons. We think of seasons, we've been, seasons are, there's four seasons in the year. They only last three months. But seasons are three years. Season, you know, you're in jail, Joseph's in jail for years, you know, and um, we don't think of that. Our se we want our season that's hard over quickly. And that's one thing I've gotten through. And the, the men, you know, they're like, Spencer said, they're not so good, and then you see them change, and you see God use them no matter what, and he uses us. And our legacy of leaving our kids money or houses or whatever. Um, sorry, Spencer, you get nothing. But <laughs> um, more so examples, loving the Lord, 
And that is something we have to work on till we die. Yeah, that's good. It's really exciting to me when um, not, uh, my, both of my daughters at different points in their, their lives would uh, go in their rooms and pretend to be preachers, which I find ex super funny. Uh, but also just the, the idea that like they're watching, right? Like they're watching everything that we do as parents and, uh, and what are we, what, what, what examples are we giving them of God's faithfulness and our, our pursuit of him? That's good. Even when we're old. <laughs> You're not old. Anybody else? Okay. Thank you all for sharing. I hope, um, I hope it was helpful to communicate those things. I hope it was helpful to hear them. Um, my, my guess is that, that some of us weren't in a place where we were, were ready or, or had thoughts prepared to share, but hopefully some of the things that were shared maybe struck a chord. And I would just encourage you, if somebody said something particularly valuable to your heart, um, go up to them afterwards and thank them for that. One of the things I like to keep in front of us is there's a, a verse in Romans 12 that says, outdo each other in showing honor. And I think a lot of times in the church, we think if we compliment something in someone that they'll just get proud. Um, but that's not exactly what's happening. And the, the reality is, is that we all feel uh, inferior and, and useless and, and we, we need to be encouraged. So if um, if that's the case for you, just I would, I would encourage you to go to that person after service and, and thank them for their words of encouragement. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.